Welcome to another episode of Living an Ultra Life. My name is Mike, and I am your host and your speaker for the week because we don't have a guest this week, but that is okay because we are now on the A of smart training. Remember, back a couple months ago, I told you that I was going to do one, one a month of just kind of talking about what smart training is. So just to kind of review, the S in smart training stands for the strength, stretching, and stamina. And I talked about how I'm changing kind of some of the things I do with my uh, training to add all of those things. The M was for movement, and that literally means all movement, running, walking, whatever. Now the next one is where I totally geek out. This is the A, and it stands for assess and attitude. And you could do assess, you could do analyze, you could do a lot of different words in there, but this is where you get to look at all that data. I, I like data. I, I really do. But you have to be able to take that data and make it meaningful for what you're doing. Very few of us are professional athletes. And so very few of us are really need all the information you get from your GPS smartwatch, from your running apps, from all the different things that are out there to assess the data. So what we have to do is we have to figure out what is the data that's important to us. So I have a Coros running watch, and I really love Coros. And I went to Coros because I love the battery life. And mainly I love the battery life because I am not a fast runner. And so in 100-mile races, uh, my watch, <laughs> more often than not, in my first 200-milers stopped. And, you know, I'd lost, you know, like the last 10, 15 miles. Those of you who finished, you know, 100-milers in less than 24 hours, kudos, good on you. I'm still trying to do that. But the biggest thing is I don't want to get overwhelmed with all the data that's available out there. I want, like, I pay no attention to the whole race predictor because, you know, it only goes up to a marathon. There, there isn't a watch built yet that does race predictors past marathon. Some of them might even peak into like 50K, but I'm into 50 mile, 100 mile, 200 mile races, 24 hours. I'm going to be doing a six day race next year. And so I don't pay any attention to that data. I pay attention to the recovery and the running fitness that's on the dashboard of my thing. And then Coros has this thing online where you have this Evo Lab metrics tab. And that's where I pay attention to the training status and my four week intensity distribution. Everything else is just really, really, really good data, and I'm sure it comes in handy for a lot of people. But what I'm doing is I'm using this data to assess what I've been doing, and then develop a pattern for the next week's training. So for me, I have training blocks just like everybody does, but my training blocks are often a little bit different than many people's. Uh, like I'll either have six-week training blocks or four-week training blocks. It may be because that's about how long I can pay attention for. I'm not really sure. But what I'll do is I look at the data on Sunday afternoons as my training week is ending, for me, my training week begins on Monday and it ends on that Sunday. So when I look at all that data, I look at it Sunday afternoon and I kind of map out where I want to run and how I want to do my runs this next week. So I develop this personal assessment that's based on how I'm training, what I'm training for. Even if I don't have a race, I'm training for something like, you know, I, I'm going to be going out to Wyoming and doing a bunch of trail runs. And so as I get through this next two weeks, what I'm going to be concentrating a lot on is climbing 
and descending, ascending, descending. And so all my training is going to be about ascending and descending, which is really, really hard to do out here in Flatlanderville. I can't do anything about the altitude because when I step out the door, I'm at 69 feet above sea level. There is nothing I can do about that all of my runs are going to be at 5,200 feet or above when I get out to Wyoming. So there's nothing I can do about altitude, but I can train for the ascends and the descends. And so that's what I'm going to be doing. And so all my personal assessment and that will reflect how I want to do the training is all going to be on that. And then I'm going to need to make a quick pivot because Cape Fear 24 hours coming up after that. And so like right now, everything is based on running tiny circles and perfecting the art of running tiny circles over and over and over again. So I'm working on my run-walk intervals and I'm doing all that kind of stuff. And I've reset my watch so that uh, my watch doesn't do mile pace. What it, what my pace is built on is built on 0.60 miles because the circle that I'll be running at Cape Fear is 0.58 miles. And so my watch buzzes at every 0.60 miles and I'm able to tell, okay, that was a 607.60. Hey, I got that one down to 534. That's awesome. Oh man, it got really, really hot and I can feel the calories building on me and that was a 1034. So when I'm looking at this stuff, that's what I'm looking at to gauge and to decide how to approach. What do I need to improve on so that I can reach some of the goals that I have? So that's the whole assessment and analyzing part of it. But here's what that does. And this is why I think it's important for all of us, even just us, you know, slow back of the pack runners to learn how to assess and analyze your data because from that you can develop a very tough mental attitude and the mental attitude the attitude is where the finish line in a long race comes from you do not cross finish lines simply because you're the best shape you've ever been in your entire life simply because you run better than everybody else you cross finish lines in endurance race because of your mental attitude. So I believe personally that success in, alter in endurance running becomes mental the further that you run. Everybody's going to feel the aches and pains at the 30 or 40 miles. I mean, that's just normal. The people that endure the aches and pains are those who use data to formulate a strong mental attitude that pushes past the aches and pains to reach the finish line. Attitude is just this thing that we have to learn how to develop. And the only way to develop is to put yourself in tough situations. So a couple weeks ago, I did an 18-hour fast. So I ate no food for 18 hours. And then I went out early in the morning and I ran a 12 mile really, really hard with just my scratch super fuels and water. And I didn't take any food with me, just scratch and water. And I went and did a, I think it was a 12 mile run. And I wanted to feel, what does it feel like when you hit that point where mentally and physically your body is just running on fumes? And then I wanted to see what can I do past that moment? And I was able to push past that moment. My times weren't great. I, it, they weren't fast miles, but they were moving forward miles. And that was the key thing for me, was to build that mental attitude. Okay, I've done this. When the going gets tough, I know what it feels like. I know how it feels to get down in that calorie deficit and that just you know body aches and pain deficit and get down there. 
Um, recently I had somebody ask me, you know, Hey, how did you train for the 200 miler? What was the longest time you had on your feet? And I told them I had done an 18 hour run, you know, prior to Swami shuffle 200 last year. And he's like, well, that doesn't seem like a lot. And I said, well, yeah, but I did it back to back. I did a 12 hour, 50 mile run. And then I followed that up with a 15 hour, 60 something mile run. And then I followed that up with the 18 hour, almost 80 mile run. So I put those back to back to back so that I could feel the effects of what your body is going to go through on a long, you know, 220 mile journey. And so that's why when I got to the point at Swami Shuffle and my feet felt like absolute garbage and my muscles didn't want to move anymore, I already knew what it felt like. And so mentally I could go, okay, I already know what this feels like. I can push past this. And so now, you know, going into Swami Shuffle 200 next year, I already know what it feels like. So I know how to push past that. But because I'm one of these crazy people and mentally, I do not think I have actually reached my capacity yet. So that's why I said I'm signing up for six days at the Dome and I'm going to move for six days because I don't know what is it going to feel like to move for six days? How am I going to train for that? I have no clue. I haven't quite figured out how I'm going to come out of Swami Shuffle 200 and get ready for six days at the Dome in the middle of June. But I'll figure that out because that's kind of what training is all about. And so that is the A part of smart training. And that's why I've fully subscribed to smart training. And I don't know I, I don't know where I found it. I just made it up myself because I, I developed my own training plans and I base them off a lot of different training plans. Like I've told you, I subscribe to Training Peaks. Um, I really like that website. Um, Berkeley Wellness and Health is a uh, you know a different place to find articles that on on health and fitness and stuff. But I use them a lot. I read an awful lot, and I don't mind saying that I read an awful lot because I want to. This is my hobby. This is not my full-time job. It'll never be my full-time job. I'm not that talented of a runner. But I really, really, really enjoy running. And I want to do it well into my hundreds. So I plan on running ultra marathons when I'm 100 years old. So that means that I've got to figure out how to keep this body moving in a positive way forward at all times. And so, yeah, it's just you got to find the ways to assess and analyze the data so that you can build that mental attitude that is tough as nails and be able to overcome and push past everything that's out there. So that's kind of the whole thing on smart training. So let me kind of tell you where we're going with some of the podcasts, because you may have noticed that we've got some different people other than like Hampton Roads or Sheridan, Wyoming runners. We've I've been reaching out to different people just to um, get them on. So just to kind of give you a preview and whet your appetite for, you know, what's coming up. We've got a person that is an absolute legend at the journey runs. He's, uh, set the record for Ball State. Um, he's done hots. He's done many other things. He almost beat Joe Fedges at a record for six days at the dome. Uh, he's just a really, really strong runner. Very, very intelligent. You're really going to enjoy him. He's going to be up the week after me. And then following him is a gal that I really have been following a lot lately, and I'm looking forward to talking with her. And her, the whole thing is she has a goal to train 50,000 women to run uh, their first 50K. 
over the next, I believe it's five years. Um, really, really incredible gal. She's an incredible runner herself, but she's also a great, great coach. So looking forward to having her on. And then after that, we're actually going to have the founder of a hydration pack that I have fallen in love with. And so he's going to be on and talking about how he came up with the product and where he's going with it and what he envisions as the future of hydration packs and the technology that he, that is available to him and everything. So we've got some really, really, really outstanding guests coming up on the Living an Ultra Life podcast, and I'm really, really excited. You know, I looked back the other day at who has been on you know, the, the Living Ultra Life show. So we've had um, a guy who has placed second at a Backyard Ultra and third at a Backyard Ultra. He's finished second in a 100-miler. He's a very unassuming guy, but he's an incredible runner. Um, we've had the gal who has set the fastest known times on the Benton McKay Trail, the Mountain to Sea Trail, and she just like a couple days ago, finished the fastest known time supported on the Colorado Trail, which is a beast of a trail. And so we've had her on. We've had a guy this year that has had multiple hundred mile finishes. Um, he's a guy that I really admire watching him post. Um, he's also becoming quite the writer. So I've been reading a lot of his articles and everything. He's becoming quite the writer. We've had a plethora of really amazing guests on the podcast, which I could have never envisioned happening when we started this thing back at the beginning of 2021. But it just shows you that, you know, if you put it out there and you tell people that, hey, everybody has a story and it doesn't matter if you're a slow back of the pack runner like me or if you're one of these guys that can go out there and flash out an 18 hour you know, 100-mile marathon. They're amazing, and everybody has a story. So it's like I was telling somebody at a recent race, and I was talking to them, you know, out on the course, and I said, man, I'd really like to get you on as a guest. And this person said, but I don't have anything to say. And I was like, yes, you do. You have a story, and you're an amazing runner. And so I'm going to keep on, you know, pestering this person to see if I can get them on. But that's kind of the whole goal of the Living an Ultra Life podcast is to find people who have a story let them tell their story in a way that they can get out there and tell it. Keep them short. Keep them sweet. Keep them positive because, man, we need positive messages in this strange, strange, chaotic culture that we have today. And so that's what I want to be is I want to be that voice of a positive force that is saying, yes, you can. And you've got a story. Tell your story. So that's it for this week's episode of Living and Ultra Life. I can't thank you guys enough for listening and paying attention. It really means a lot to me. Love you guys and can't wait to talk to the next one that's going to be a guest on Living and Ultra Life. 